This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Final day of February. We're talking at Brewers Baseball today with our Brewers reporter, Adam McAlvey. Adam on the scene right now as the Brewers are currently taking on the Kansas City Royals. And uh, Adam, as we speak here, it is a a 2-2 game. Middle innings right now. Uh, Zach Davies got the start, what I suspect is his first start of the spring. Uh, So kind of just run down what you see out there and how uh, Davies looked today. Well, it's hard to say because it was one inning. Right? <laughs> because the because the games began earlier this year with the World Baseball Classic, uh, a lot of these guys in their first start, the non-World Baseball Classic guys are pitching one inning. So I'm not certain that we want to make very many uh, uh, evaluations off of that. He got mm-hmm. some pitches in. Uh, he threw all of his pitches. Zach Davies is a guy who likes to throw everything from the very start. And... You know, God is working kind of thing. And I think that's how these pitchers are looking at it. It's a long spring this year, a long way to get ready. And the Brewers have some kind of some interesting decisions to make. They've got too many starters uh, for five spots, and, and they need to make a call. I, I'm not certain that it's really a competition. I bet if you ask, you know, if you really pin down David Stearns and Craig Council, they know probably uh, what they're going to do. It's just a matter of can they get everybody healthy to the end of spring training uh, the way they want and then line things up the way they want. Uh, I, I just have a feeling that they sort of have an idea already. That would seem to be the case, and I think you know most uh, front offices and, and uh, managers do, unless a guy completely comes out of nowhere to uh, surprise or maybe on the other end of the spectrum disappoint, but that, that kind of rarely happens. But nonetheless, that kind of brings me to uh, another broader point about spring training, and it's kind of an age-old question this time of year where you know the team is on the field for its first, you know, at this point, four or five games of the – the spring training schedule. And, you know, it's something we kind of wrestle with. It's like, you know, how much stock do you put into numbers at this juncture of spring training? In other words, if, you know, if a guy goes 0 for 5 or 5 for 5, do you care? Do you get excited? Do you get disappointed? Or is it just at a point right now where, like you said, where Zach Davies is concerned, you just want to see the guy get in his pitches, get in his reps and not get hurt. So, I think it's one of those questions that if he asked 10 people, you might get 10 different answers, but where do you kind of draw the line in the sand about, you know, okay, at what point do you want to see numbers and production that you hope will carry, you know, into the regular season? What's, what's your take on that whole thing? Well, if there's 10 different answers, I'll give you the right answer. Oh, awesome. It's that I wish they would not even keep statistics in spring training (laughs) because they are, there's nothing more worthless than a spring training batting average or ERA. It's complete to me, completely irrelevant. And it gets you in so much trouble when you start looking at things like that. And it's for a bunch of different reasons. Number one is everybody has a different outlook uh, or a different strategy to these outings. So I've seen Ben Sheets used to come into spring training and throw nothing but fastballs for his first bunch of outings. 
So if his ERA after three spring training starts was 15 and a half, does that mean that Ben Sheets is not going to have a good year? It, it obviously didn't. It was just that that was something he was working on. The other thing that gets you into huge trouble is that the hitters are all in different places. Uh, the Brewers have a guy in camp, two guys, uh, Yadiel Rivera and Yvonne DeJesus Jr., who won the Caribbean Series uh, for their team from Puerto Rico. They were playing baseball a week before pitchers and catchers reported to spring training. Charged, real, meaningful baseball game. So obviously their at-bats are going to be a lot different than, you know, a guy who, Ryan Braun, who rolls out of bed and comes in and sees a pitch for the first time. He hasn't. He he won't until the second week of March. Guys are just in totally different places. Uh, Then on top of that, you've got the weird conditions here in Arizona, the dry air, the concrete infields, uh, the fact that, you know, Zach Davies, the starting pitcher today, went one inning. Um, and then it, it, it's a, a mix of guys fighting for roster spots and minor leaguers who are just filling innings. I just think that the statistics are totally irrelevant. I wish they didn't keep them. I wish they didn't charge admission to the games. I wish they didn't put them on television. I wish we could just, you know, watch these games, see the quality of their bats, uh, see the contact, see the, you know, how a, a pitcher is repeating his delivery, the things that you sort of can look at in spring training games and not worry about the numbers and the results. Now, I want to follow that up by asking for the reasons you just mentioned uh, with admission to the games and with games being televised and because baseball is so grounded and so rooted in numbers and in statistics more than any other sport, are those the reasons why there seems to be this insistence that we have to have numbers, we have to have statistics, even in spring training, because without it, people wouldn't quite know what to do with themselves. Is that part of the reason here? Well, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, for, for when things go the way you want them to go, you can use those numbers to your benefit. And, look, I'm not going to say I've never written a spring training story that doesn't reflect a guy's results. I wrote yesterday, Luce Brinson, their uh, outfield prospect had a big game against uh, the Rangers. I obviously had three hits. I wrote about that. Um, but it's there. I don't think that's what Craig Council and David Stearns are looking at as they're making evaluations. They're looking much deeper than that at the performance of these players beyond the numbers. So we're going to keep the numbers. I'm not so sure that that's something that they necessarily uh, care about inside. For, for the vast majority of teams, I, I really believe this. They know 20 three or so of the 25 opening day roster spots, they know what those spots are going to be. And for many clubs, it's 25. And it's just a matter of, you know, what is going to happen to you health-wise throughout the spring to, to change those decisions. And, and look, that happens to everybody. And then it does become about evaluation and performance and who can help you right now. And sometimes you are going to take a guy who's really swinging a hot bat in the spring. You think he can help you early in the season. But I just think for in the vast majority of cases um, – they are not teams are not making big evaluations off of spring training performances. Yeah, nor should they. And I think everybody is aware of that. And uh, just before we started chatting, I was joking with our, our superstar producer, Mike, that I said, it's ridiculous uh, on, on our website on MLB.com. They've already got batting average leaders in the grapefruit league. And you see ridiculous <laughs> numbers like eight fourteen and seven seventy nine, And it's just, it makes you laugh. I just, you know, I find it comical. I think you do too. I think a lot of people do. And I think everybody has learned that you got to take this stuff with a big, big grain of salt because ultimately it does not matter. 
And uh, it's just something, it's a crutch. It's something we rely upon because, like I said, baseball is so grounded in its numbers, in its uh, statistics, and it's just something that we kind of need. It's our little security blanket, I guess, and that's the end of that. So moving on from that, Adam, you wrote the other day that, uh, you know, there is a benefit. You've mentioned the World Baseball Classic and a handful of guys that are going to be representing their countries uh, in the coming weeks now. A fringe benefit to that for some of the younger guys, you know, who are quote-unquote staying behind with their team is that they're going to get playing opportunities that they wouldn't normally get because a lot of guys, at least for a couple of weeks, are going to be out of the picture. So of that group of guys, of these prospects that are going to get some increased looks, uh, who would be topping that list for the Brewers right now? Well, there's a couple of guys. One is Mauricio Dubon, and part of the reason he's going to get a look is he's new to the organization. Uh, He's one of the guys they got from the Red Sox in the Tyler Thornburg trade, a shortstop. He's trying to become the first player born and raised in Honduras to make it to the major leagues, a source of great pride for him. Mm. Uh, A really interesting player, a a hit-for-average kind of guy, a smaller guy. Looks like he can really field the position. Looks like he can be versatile on the infield. Certainly can play shortstop from the little bit we've seen him. Uh, And a guy who's going to play a lot because, as you said, the Brewers have some guys leaving. Hernan Perez and Jonathan Villar are going to go for Venezuela and the Dominican Republic. And I think it would be a shock if at least one of those teams didn't play deep into that tournament. So they're going to be gone a while. Um, then some of the other players that the Brewers have in camp, they have two first basemen uh, who are just, you know, basically exclusively first basemen. So they're not going to play elsewhere on the infield. And then there's only one non-roster invitee who's an infielder, Eric Sogard, the former A's second baseman. So there's just not a ton of guys on the roster in non-roster invitees who are on the infield. And then with the two guys leaving, it means opportunities for someone like Dubon. I think the other guy I'm really interested in seeing, we've already seen him in one game, is Lucas Ursig, a player that the, the Brewers drafted out of Menlo College in, in California. Uh, he went to Cal before that, ran into some trouble, um, left Cal, went to Menlo, uh, and was drafted for his bat. It looks like he can really hit. He kind of is sort of rededicated to baseball. He's kind of getting a second life in the game, and he spoke when we had a chance to talk with him. He re- seems really committed to this, uh, very serious about this opportunity and, and trying to make the most of it. And I think he's going to get to play, and, and he plays a position at third base that the Brewers happen to not have a lot of prospects at. Uh, they brought in Travis Shaw in that deal uh, with the Red Sox, and they really hope he's going to grab onto that position. He's a younger player, but, you know, no sure thing. He's still got to gain a foothold in the major leagues. And I think Ersig, if he can impress a little bit, there's opportunity there for him in an organization that is not tremendously deep among third basemen. So he's a guy I'm really curious uh, to get a look at over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, a lot of young guys going to get a lot uh, more scrutinized looks uh, because of the upcoming World Baseball Classic. And a very interesting note about Dubon, one that uh, I was not aware of, and uh, I can't imagine uh, how much uh, pride he would be feeling if he does become the first uh, Honduras-born uh, person to ever uh, you know, crack a big league roster. That would be uh, tremendous for him and for the Brewers, and well, uh, we wish him... you know, to. Just to expound on sure. that, uh, Gerald Young, the, the former outfielder, former Astro outfielder, he was born in Honduras, but we were talking with Dubon about that, and he made a big deal about the fact that, well, you know, my people really don't consider Gerald Young a Honduran because he was just born there, I think, while his parents were on vacation <laughs> and then moved back and <laughs> nice grew up vacation. in the U.S. Du- 
Dubon came over uh, when he was 15 years old. Uh, a, a group of Christian ball players had gone down to Honduras, and Dubon traveled back with them and then went to high school in California. But, you know, again, until 15, he, he was growing up in Honduras, and he's trying to, you know, help some other players from that country get a little foothold. He says there's some good athletes there, uh, some kids who really like baseball, and even though he's a young player himself, uh, he'll be 22 this year at AA or AAA. Uh, he, he's done some things uh, with young players there to try to get them interested in baseball and try to get the next wave of, of players. But, yeah, so he would, just to be clear, Gerald Young is the first, but as uh, Dubon would debate with us, uh, he is not a true Honduran. Yeah, I, I got to side with uh, Mauricio here uh, on this one, even yeah. though, you know, technically, yes, the birth certificate does say for Gerald Young, born in Honduras, but, uh, you know, th- that's a gray area there. I think we can all agree that if uh, Dubon does achieve his big league dream, uh, he would be number one in the hearts and minds of uh, most Hondurans and uh, a guy that you're certainly pulling for, a guy that uh, was very highly touted in the, the Red Sox, a very deep farm system but uh, blocked by a guy named uh, Bogart, so uh, one that the Red Sox felt yeah. they could part with. Pretty good and player. Pretty good player, yeah, I agree. But uh, Dubon, we think, should be too, and uh, hopefully he gets the opening that he needs to uh, you know, ascend to great heights with the Milwaukee Brewers. Adam, to begin to wrap up here, you mentioned the uh, individual effort of Lewis Brinson the other day, the, the uh, centerpiece of that trade for uh, Jonathan Lucroy that happened last season that uh, the Brewers got back from Texas. He had that big performance. And then Scooter Jeanette, uh, he's trying his hand as an outfielder. It's been, you know, mixed results with some other guys, converted infielders uh, in the past. Uh, how does he look? And uh, just kind of give us your your take on uh, how he's uh, adapting to his new, what what should be a new position for him. Yeah, well, what, what a couple of other players have said is that Scooter Jeanette came in looking more athletic this year. Uh, it, it seems like uh, he made an effort over the winter to – work on some agility, flexibility, those types of things, and he's moving around well enough that other guys are taking note of that, and they think that's going to help him. I'll just tell you that the other big part of this, from his point of view, is he's you know, going into this with a smile. Um, you know, He's no old grizzled veteran, for sure, but I mean, he spent three and a half years as their second baseman here, and kind of that being his position, and it got taken away from him, because Jonathan VR was really good last year. They need to be he needs to be in the lineup somewhere, and second base was the best spot for the rest of the configuration of this roster. And that meant Scooter Jeanette has to move into more of a utility role. And instead of kind of sulking about it, you know, I remember Ricky Weeks when this was asked of him a bunch of years ago where he said, I'm a second baseman, and he was just unwilling to give it a shot. Scooter Jeanette's out there starting, I think it was the Brewers' second catch game he was starting in left field, a position he'd really never played before. Um, so he's, he's um, you know, open-minded about this. He's enthusiastic about it. He's on, out there every day at 8 a.m. for different um, work at different positions, defensive work at different positions. And he's trying to do everything he can do to basically make the team as a lefty bat off the bench. And then who knows? I mean, the Brewers uh, shortstop Orlando Arcia is uh, going into his first full season. They're, they've got to figure out if he can handle the bat well enough to, to be in the major leagues at this young age if he looks like he needs more time. I mean, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that they send him back down and, and they move VR back to shortstop, and now all of a sudden you got Scooter Jeanette at second base again. So I think he's wise to be open-minded about this, do everything he can just to you know, make the team, get ready for the season, and then kind of see what happens. But just his, uh, his willingness to do it is what stands out to me. Yeah, that, that's, so 
Yeah, that, that's a huge factor because, you know, like you said, if he had a Ricky Weeks-type attitude, that could ruffle some feathers, and hopefully uh, that is not the case with a scooter. And, uh, you know, one of the, the buzz terms we often hear these days is positional versatility, which is so important yep. as uh, teams are looking for, you know, their own Ben Zobrist, <laughs> you know, a guy that can get out there and do everything but pitch and catch. And uh, if scooter can increase his value, from a defensive standpoint, by getting out there and being serviceable in left field, then all the better for the Brewers. And he obviously can play the infield. He's proven that. So hopefully this is an experiment that uh, goes in his favor and the team's as well. Good place to wrap this one up on a Tuesday. Adam McKelvey, our thanks to you. We'll do it again at this time next week. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Milwaukee Brewers. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.